each of you this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. We are very appreciative of your presence, and we would invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're thankful that Alex came our way this morning, helping us out while Carl is traveling. We're thankful for his uh, willingness to do that. His wife is visiting family members, so she couldn't be with us, but we're thankful that he is here. As we study the Psalms, it becomes clear pretty quickly that what we see are very specific types of Psalms or categories. There are different categories of the Psalms. In fact, we see Psalms of thanksgiving, we see Psalms of praise, Psalms of trust, we see uh, ethical Psalms that uh, uh, address issues such as that, we see Psalms of wisdom penitential psalms, we see hallelujah psalms, we see psalms concerning Zion, the holy city, and of course we see pilgrimage psalms. If you notice in your Bible, most versions have an inscription prior to the psalm describing the author and the type of psalm. Now, the inscription is not inspired. I think evidence suggests that the inscription, more often than not, is accurate in its authorship, but we can't know for sure unless it's specifically mentioned within the psalm itself. But the type of song is always accurate. The category in which the psalm should be placed. Now the 122nd psalm is a psalm talking about the pilgrimage. It is a pilgrimage psalm or song. And so most versions that you pick up and you read call this a song of degrees. A song of degrees. Now exactly what does that have to do with a pilgrimage? Well the word that means degrees or that we translated degrees from the Hebrew actually means ascent. So it is a song of ascents meaning you go from a lower place to a higher place. And since this is a pilgrimage psalm or song, and since the pilgrimage was to the holy city of Jerusalem, the journeyer would always ascend to Jerusalem because it was of higher elevation. Therefore, we have a song of ascents. But at the same time, the song was designed to prepare the hearts of the worshiper as they ascended to Jerusalem. Now, we have to understand the purpose of ascending to Jerusalem and of going. These psalms were saying as the journeyer would move toward Jerusalem to take part in one of the three holy feasts that God commanded to be uh, undertaken. You had the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You had the Feast of Pentecost, and you had the Feast of Tabernacles. And so on their journey, or this pilgrimage, they would ascend to Jerusalem, and as they ascended, the Psalms ascended to the heights and the glories of God because it prepared the worshiper. It prepared the worshiper to go to the holy city and to partake in that worship activity that God had designated Now this particular song uh, speaks of the place of worship. 
Jerusalem. The purpose of worship, the Lord. And the power of worship. It brings gladness to our hearts. That's what this song talks about. David said this, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. The word glad here means to cause to rejoice. He was caused to rejoice when he said, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Now several things in the Old Testament have been described to us that bring joy, such as ointment and perfume, a wise son, a kind word, meeting a loved one, God's law, the increase of righteousness, God's feasts, of course the Lord and salvation brings joy, but also the act of worship. The act of worship is supposed to cause one to rejoice. When we understand the great gift of salvation, when we understand all that happened that brought us to the point of being able to attain salvation, we ought to be glad to have the opportunity to access it. And I know we are, but it ought to bring about joy for us when we consider those things. In the verses of our passage... David described for us the reasons for his joy, his gladness in going to the house of the Lord. Now, not all people share the same emotion when going to the house of God. I read a statement one person made, said, Some people are glad, some people are sad, some people are mad. When they go to the house of God. And some people, once you go and leave, you feel like you've been had. And that may be the case. That may be the case, right? Depending on where someone goes to worship. Of course, that was someone who was not a Christian made that statement. But I understand where he's coming from, right? But David found overwhelming joy in the fact that he could go into the house of the Lord and could offer worship to Him. The same ought to be same. Uh, said for Christians today. We ought to be glad when we go to the house of God. Now we do not have a physical house of God today. We don't have a temple. We don't have a tabernacle. Paul told those in uh, Greece, Acts 17, God does not dwell in temples made by the hands of men. But we still have a house of God. That's why Paul told Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 3.15, he said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So we enter in the house of God, and we offer worship. Now we enter into the house of God differently than what David did, or those who came before or after David. But part of that behavior in understanding how we ought to behave ourselves is the act of worshiping God in the correct way for the correct reasons. I've entitled the sermon this morning, Why Do We Worship? Why Do We Worship? And I want us to start with the purpose of worship. That's our first point. We worship so we can learn the precepts of God. We worship so we can learn God's law. We teach each other 
and admonish one another in singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, don't we? We learn God's precepts through worship. We learn a lot of God's precepts through prayer. We learn a lot of God's precepts through preaching. And so that's one of the purposes of coming together for worship. Now in verse 4, David talked about the testimony of Israel. What exactly is he talking about? That's a reference to God commanding the Israelites to ascend to the holy city of Jerusalem to observe these three feasts that he commanded them. They were obeying the word of God. They were honoring God. And they made that pilgrimage to honor God, to be obedient to his word, to be able to go into the house of God the tabernacle, and later on the temple, so they could offer up this worship to God. Now we make our pilgrimage, don't we, to the house of God. We go through a process of getting into the house of God, and we offer worship when we're there. And we worship Him, and we do that for the sole purpose of honoring His Word. And when we do it, we do honor His Word, just like David just like the people of Israel when they traveled up to Jerusalem and ascended into that great city to worship God during those times. Now when we fail to do that, we're not honoring God's Word. When we fail to worship God properly, whether through it's an act that is not in accordance with God's law, whether we're not doing something that we ought to do, or maybe we're not even present in the house of God to offer worship, we're not honoring His Word then. In fact, we're dishonoring Him and we're ignoring Him. Now the writer of Hebrews addressed a very common problem at his time. That was going on. He said this, Hebrews 10 beginning with verse 23. He told the listener, the reader, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, we maintain our confession of faith through our demonstration of faith, don't we? Through the way we live our lives. Through the way that, that we go about interacting with people in this world and the way we interact with God. We help our brethren by stirring them up, right? To love and to good works. And we do that by coming together for our worship activity. How are we able to stir up love and good works when when we're not demonstrating or when we do demonstrate a weak faith by which we claim to hold? That's not stirring up love and good works, is it? We're not stirring up love and good works when we don't even bother to come together when commanded to come together by the Lord or when we're not obeying those who rule over us and and, and meet during other times other than the first day of the week. When we we fail to meet on uh, any service that has been instituted as a regular meeting time by those who have the rule over the congregation, whether it's the elders or the men of the congregation. We're disobeying them, and and that's not right. We're violating Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. You know, there isn't a greater privilege in the world than to come together with those of like precious faith and offer up 
worship to the true God of heaven. And if we cannot see that, there's something very wrong with the faith we claim to have. The purpose for coming together is to hear, but not only to hear, but to heed. Once we hear the precepts of God, we need to put those into action in our lives, right? We need to be able to see that coming forward. And and to do that, the Bible must be the center of everything we do. When we come together in our worship, in our study, it has to be Bible-centered. It has to be the foundation of what we're doing. We have to go along with what God has commanded us to do. We can't go to one side or the other side. We, we do not need other materials that someone has written to guide us. Now, I'm not saying we can't use uh, material for a class or, or for things like that. I'm talking about modern-day revelation that so many in the world have claimed to have given the world. We don't need that because it's not accurate. It's not true. It's not from God. You know, one of the, the most recent modern-day revelations came... On the 23rd, right? The world was supposed to come to an end on the 23rd. Now that man from England, last name Mead, I haven't heard anything from him since the world did not come to an end on the 23rd. I'm glad I didn't sell off all my possessions and not do some things I needed to do on that day because we're still here. But see, that, that's a modern day revelation. It's like every other modern day revelation. It's a false revelation. So we don't need to add in anything. We need to listen to what the Bible says. That's why Peter, or excuse me, that's why Paul asked this question. 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 21. He said, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The message preached. Well, what was that message? Do you recall when Paul said, I will not preach anything except the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. In other words, he's going to preach the good news of Christ. He's going to preach the gospel. That's what that is. And it is through the message of God's word where we find our way to heaven. That's exactly why Paul called it the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16, right? And that's also why he said this, Romans 10, beginning with verse 13. He said, For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If we don't have the message, if we don't have the precepts, we're not going to get to heaven. That's one of the purposes for our coming together in offering worship to God, to hear the precepts. That's why David came together. That's why the Jews came together. They read from the law as an act of worship. Without God's precepts, we can't enjoy heaven. And one of His precepts is to meet 
when the saints meet. But that's not the only purpose. Why do we worship? Well, we do worship to learn, to hear the precepts. But another main reason that we worship is to herald God's praises. We want to lift up praises to God. We do that through singing. We do that through praying. We do that through other acts of worship. When we, when we observe the Lord's Supper, we offer praise to God for what He did for us. When we give of our means as an act of worship, we're offering praise to God because we're helping to fund the works of the church. In verse 4 he said that they were there to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. Well, we ought to always give thanks, right? The ancient Jew, now think about this. The ancient Jew traveled hundreds and thousands of miles at personal cost, danger to their physical bodies, and great discomfort to go worship, to go to the house of God. Now, I don't know about all of us here this morning, but I didn't have to put forth a whole lot of effort to get here. I had to get out of bed. I had to put some clothes on. I had to drive here. You know, you might leave a warm home and have to endure a little cold air. Or you might leave a cool home and, and have to endure a little warm air on the way to your vehicle before you turn the heater or the air conditioner on. And then from the parking lot before you get into the building where you have heat or air. But think about the Jews. What about the Ethiopian eunuch that we read of in Acts 8? He, he rode a chariot, rode in a chariot from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem. Now, I've never ridden in a chariot, but they did not have shocks. I've ridden in a vehicle that needed shocks. That was very uncomfortable to me, but I still had a comfortable seat and I still had air conditioning. I still had power steering and power brakes. It was just a little bumpy. He rode in a chariot all that way, and then returned all that way. Why? To offer praise to God by doing what God asked. They believed God was worthy of praise. And their actions supported that belief system. You know, it didn't take a lot of effort to get here this morning, but so many members of the Lord's church didn't put forth that effort to get here this morning. How many of us would be willing to travel hundreds and hundreds of miles just to worship God? Now say just to worship God in an accommodative speak. It's not just to worship God. It is to worship God, right? How many of us would do that? David and the other Jews, you know what they remembered? They remembered the things God did for them and their forefathers. And they understood that because God did that, that that He was worthy of their time and their effort and their opportunity to do those things. And that was even at a time before Christ appeared in the history of man. Before Christ came and gave His life so that we might be saved. But He did that for us, didn't He? He did that for us. Is He worthy of worship? Is He worthy of our time? Is He worthy of our changed plans? How many people have foregone worship 
because they had visitors coming. Is Jesus worthy of changing our plans? Is He worthy of our effort? Well, let's think of it this way. He felt we were worthy of His time. He felt we were worthy of God's plan. He felt we were worthy of His effort. Do I feel the same way about Him? Do you remember what He said in His prayer to the Father prior to going to the cross found in Matthew 26, verse 39? He said, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You know, he died for all of us, didn't he? But so many of our brethren find it extremely difficult to make time for our Savior, to make time to put in the effort to to come and offer praise to Him. Why do we worship God? We worship God because we have a purpose in worshiping God, but that's not the only reason. We also worship God because of the people who we meet in the house of God. That's what David talked about. Verse uh, number one and verse number four, David said he was, he was glad to go to the house of God because that's where he met the people of God. Who else should we want to be around, right? He would meet people united in fellowship with God. What a wonderful thing to have this fellowship with God. And not just with God, but with each other. He's saying, they said, let us go up. He was so happy to have that opportunity to go up. Do you know how the Jews looked at it? They saw their time at the tabernacle and later on at the temple as as a family event. They were related, weren't they? They were related through bloodline. They could come together on common ground for a common purpose. They could lay aside the things of this world and and not allow that to interfere with their worship activity. You see, if, if we're going to be a people united in fellowship, we have to carry with us certain characteristics. That has to be a part of our lives and has to be seen in our lives. We have to practice love, don't we? Even when it is difficult, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. You recall the time when the Pharisees tried to catch the Christ in a dilemma and they said, or asked Him, What's the great commandment of the law? Let's read his reply. Matthew 22, beginning with verse 37. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, This is the first and great commandment. He said, And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law, and the prophets. So we have to have the characteristic of love. We also have to have the characteristic of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, right? We have to be willing to forgive one another if God is going to forgive us. We have to show tolerance toward each other's scruples and opinions. We can't push our scruple or, or our opinion. We're not talking about doctrine. We never back off doctrine. But sometimes it's a matter of opinion or it's a matter of scruple. We have to show tolerance. We have to be willing to offer restoration to those who are are weaker, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. That's a characteristic of those in fellowship. When we do those things, we, we become united in fellowship. But do you know why? Because we are united by family. Again, 
David said, whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. They were connected by blood. They were related. When they came together, it was a family event, wasn't it? Can there be anything greater than one's family coming together to worship God? That's a comforting thought, isn't it? You don't have to worry about your family members being lost. They come together and they're faithful to God. Why would we want to miss out on that worship? That should be the same way in the church today. We ought to feel like family, and I know we do. But not every congregation feels that way. Paul said this, Galatians 3, beginning with verse 26. He said, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into His death have put on Christ. That's just part of the plan of salvation, isn't it? But that plan of salvation makes us brethren. It makes us brothers and sisters. It makes us part of the family and it gives us that great fellowship. The faith in Jesus gives us or is the beginning point of our great fellowship in our wonderful family ties. Acknowledging that we need to make changes in our lives if we haven't obeyed the gospel. Repentance, that's another step in getting us to the point where we can say we're all the children of God by faith. Confessing that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, showing that that is paramount in our lives, takes us unto the point of all being the children of God by faith. That final step, of course, baptism, being baptized into Christ. Just what Paul said. He said that, or stated it also in Romans 6, 3 and 4. We're baptized into His death. We're baptized into Christ. And then, of course, faithful living. That's the process. That makes us brethren. That's a bond that will never be broken if we remain faithful. Can you imagine a child of God not wanting to congregate with his brothers and sisters? Can you imagine a family never wanting to sit down and have a meal with one another at home? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a family who just simply doesn't want to interact? Hey, it happens all the time. Yes, and there are members of the Lord's church that would rather not congregate in worship. There's something wrong there. There's something wrong. When we come together as a family of God's people, we come together praying, praising Him, and preaching, and and we're learning, right? We're learning what we need to do, and that's a family of which we ought to want to be a part. We ought to want to be a part of that family. That's why we worship. That's just part of it. We worship God because we have a purpose. We worship God because of the people that we meet in the house of God, God's people. But we worship God because of the person who He is and who we worship. That's our third point. We worship God because of His greatness. It's simple as that, isn't it? God is great. We sing a song, and it's one of my favorite, How Great Thou Art. Four times in this psalm, David calls God the Lord. Now that's the most common name used for God in the Old Testament. I think used in excess of 6,000 times in the Old Testament. It's amazing. What does that name mean? That comes from a word, and we translate that word to mean Jehovah. Jehovah. Yahweh. Jehovah. It identifies God as the eternal 
and self-existent one. It reminds us that he had no beginning, that he has no end. And it was that characteristic by which he identified himself when he met Moses in the wilderness via the burning bush. When he asked God into that bush, he said, What do I tell the people when they ask me what your name is? What do I tell them your name is? And God said, I am who I am. I am who I am. And He said thus, You shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3.14 He simply is. Right? He's eternal. He's always existent. Jehovah describes God as the one who made the covenant of promise to His people. It describes the one who will never break His word, but it also describes the one who expects His people to never break their word. And what does that entail? What, what is that a part of? Coming together as He's commanded in worship. Why do we worship? Because of the greatness of God. He's great. He expects and He demands worship. We worship God because of His greatness, but also because of His grace. In the end, why are we here? We are here because of God Himself. If it were not for God and the grace that He has extended to us, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't care about His precepts. We wouldn't care about offering praise to Him. We wouldn't care about fellowship or family. We wouldn't care how great He is. We wouldn't care about His grace. It's all about God. That's what worship is. If we came this morning just because it's time for church, we came for the wrong reason. If we came to see our friends, we came for the wrong reason. If we came because that's just what we always do, brethren, we came for the wrong reason. But if we came because we love God, we came for the right reason. If we came because He saved us, because He blessed us, and we want to thank Him for that, we came for the right reason. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I don't attend services because I just don't get anything out of it. They come or they come for the wrong reason. What is worship? Worship isn't something we go to get something from it. Worship is something we bring. And when we bring worship to God, we'll be blessed in return. And so then I guess we do get something out of it, right? But we have to come for the correct reason. I believe that all of us here today are here for one of two reasons. We're either here because I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And we're thankful for that. We're here for that reason. Or... We're here this morning because we want the blessing of being saved. Because maybe I haven't obeyed the gospel plan of salvation that we talked about. Maybe I understand that I ought to do that. Now that doesn't mean everyone who comes to that understanding will do it. 
But I believe that that individual comes to the worship services of God because they recognize that. Now involved in that second reason might be that someone who has obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ understands that maybe they've fallen away. Not living like God wants them to live. That might be a reason that we're here today. We're either here to want to obey the gospel or because we have obeyed the gospel. And we do that one of two ways, right? We either obey it and we're here to be thankful or we have obeyed it. We've fallen away. We need to ask God to forgive us through repentance and confession or we simply need to come and give ourselves to God in initial obedience. If you're here for either one of those reasons this morning, we're here for one of them. We're either here to be thankful or we're here for the second reason, to get in a right relationship with God. If you need to do the second one, let that be known as we come, as we stand, and as we sing.